welcome to So You Want to Be a Farmer. I'm Melissa, and I live in suburban Maryland. I love to play in my garden, try out all kinds of homesteading skills, and fantasize about living on a farm. Yep, I'm the wannabe. My friend Wendy is the actual farmer. In July of 2021, she packed up the contents of her suburban Maryland townhome, and with her two kids, dog, and two cats, moved to rural North Carolina, where every day is a new adventure. I didn't want to miss any of the excitement, so I started this podcast to follow along from the sidelines while helping her document the ups, the downs, and the in-betweens. Around the same time, I became obsessed with gardening in my own suburban backyard. We are friends, working professionals, Jewish mothers, and two gals willing to try new things and make a few mistakes along the way. Neither of us have any experience gardening, farming, or homesteading. But hey, if someone else out there can do it, so can we. We hope you'll join us on this adventure, either from the sidelines or while getting your own hands dirty. So put on your mock boots and let's head out to the farm. Hi, Wendy. Hi, Melissa. I got you with jelly bean in your mouth. I got a jelly bean in my mouth. Excuse me. A cinnamon jelly bean. Uh, Yes, a gigantic jelly bean. So it's like an inch big, wonderful cinnamon candy is my favorite thing, so. When it comes to candy, it's my favorite thing. Cheese is my favorite thing. I would not be upset if I never had to eat a jelly bean in my entire life. But Mm -hmm. if I did have to eat one, I would be happy to eat a cinnamon one. Uh, And I would be happy to eat a licorice one. Ew! (laughs) I'm appalled. I'm upset. Yeah. This is where we converge and diverge all at once. All at once. I know. It's so yeah. interesting. We have such different tastes sometimes and, and such similar tastes at other times. Oh, I have to tell you, I was thinking about you and Sam recently because we went to Korean barbecue slash hot pot for dinner recently. Yeah. And Eli got some beef that had bone in it, but it was sliced. So some of the bone was yeah. expo- had um, marrow okay. exposed. And he was asking if you could eat the marrow. And I said, oh, yeah, people really like it. Sam really likes the marrow of the bone. So I think he tried it. There wasn't a lot in there because it was a very thin slice. But he seemed interested. Well, you know, we'll get him some, we'll, we'll get him some kishka shank bone in July. Oh. Yeah, with some good, lovely marrow in there. Some roasted garlic, spread it on some toast. It'll be awesome. I think you oh, would like making, that. You're making faces already. No, I was making faces <laughs> at my microphone that was echoing for a minute, but I think it's okay now. Okay. Well, what's happening? I have COVID. This is not the first time. Uh, no, it's third time that we've been keeping track. Yeah, third time. I had a thought about it, though, what? yesterday. The last two times has been after I've traveled. Mm -hmm. And my first thought was, I need to not be on airplanes. And then my second thought was, I wonder if my immune system is not as robust as it could be because I don't travel. I'm not near people that often. Interesting. I Sure. That makes sense to me. I don't have any kind of degrees that could. I don't have any kind of degrees that could confirm that. Or or refute it. So, or refute you know, it. Who knows? It sounds like it makes sense. And the first time you got it, you were traveling also, weren't you? 
the first time I got it, I was coming back from an international trip in March of 2020. So like right before it became a thing. Then it was September last year for another meeting. And then this time. But when you got it the first time, you didn't know what it was and nobody yeah. knew what it was. Yeah. And then months later, we were all talking about it and you realized that maybe that's what it was because I remember you were supposed to go to Honduras. Yes, I was supposed to go to Honduras and I couldn't go. And it was your first overseas trip. And we were worried about you because there were all these strange elevated numbers in your body that nobody could explain. And you had been on an inhaler and never yep. had asthma. So strange. It was all, yes. And they said if I had if I had, had some kind of a respiratory issue while in Honduras, it was unlikely I would get the health care that they felt that I needed to have. So I was told I could not travel, which was a real shame because I wanted to go to Honduras. Mm -hmm. But. But you're here today and we are today. thankful for that. Yeah, I'm feeling all sorts of draggingness this week, which mm -hmm. is not a good state for me, as you know. No, it's not a good state for you because you don't know how to not do anything. No. And also because you have a lot of things to do. So both of those things are not in your favor. Correct. I just don't, I don't rest well. I don't sit unoccupied well. Then, you know, worst case scenario, I just make lists of things when I don't have the energy to do all of the things. And then I get anxious about looking at the list. I wish I could take the burden of relaxing off your shoulders because I would very gladly do that for you. Do you relax well? I just remembered another thing to put on my list. Um, do you relax well? When I need to, yes, I do. And sometimes it's a mental thing. It's a, it's not necessarily a physical thing. It's like my introvertedness requires me to go somewhere quiet and alone and just lay there with a pillow on my head and think or relax. Wow. Yeah. That's good. I'm trying Sometimes. to remember the last time I was alone, but okay. <laughs> Depends on your definition of alone. You are sure. alone in the house now, are you not? For this moment, I am. There are no construction workers here. Uh, yeah, for this moment, the first time in a while, I'm alone in the house. I think we're alone well, now. <laughs> it doesn't seem to be anyone it's around. around. Yep, it's true. The irony is, so I, I got carried away, especially because I realized there was a mic in front of me. And so that made it kind of fun to sing. <laughs> but also the irony is that I do not sing and Wendy does sing, but I don't ever hear you sing. Mm -mm. On purpose. And you do sing. You just did. You sing. Why do you, why on purpose? I just don't do it. Really? I don't know. When you're alone or anything? Uh, in the car all the time. When we last spoke, you were getting ready to, well, no, you weren't getting ready. You had dropped your lamb off at the processor. Yes. Yeah. And, and that was, it was a Thursday. I dropped it off and they called me on Friday and said, it'll be ready on Monday. So I went and picked it up that Monday morning. First thing it was, it's great. I mean, we got 42 pounds returned out of a 66 pound animal. So mm. really good return, gorgeous marbling, great meat for 42 pounds of lamb. So I got, I think I've got about 10 or 12 pounds of its ground. 
I have some rack of lamb. I have some roasts. I mean, I've got some shank. I've got some wonderful things to play with this year. It was $150 from kill to process to cut and package. Everything is, you know, prepackaged in the pounds that I asked for. 150 bucks. Have you eaten any of it yet? Yes. We had lamb burgers Friday night, I think, with um, cinnamon and cumin and harissa and I made like a harissa yogurt sauce to go on top of it and put some feta cheese in there too. Was it yummy? It was delicious. The kids liked it? Yes. They said it was not nearly as gamey as they expected. Hmm. Um, we had we had a friend give us some venison in the wintertime, just some ground venison, because I'd never had venison before. And that was more gamey than the lamb was. And I think they were expecting more of that. And it wasn't it wasn't nearly it was a little bit more tender tasting than that. Not ground pork. You, you don't know. You have no reference for any of these things. Not ground pork, but also not like a ground beef. It's kind of in the middle. I do have reference because I have eaten those things long ago in the past. Yeah, long ago. Yeah. So next is Kishka. Next is Kishka in July. Honestly, I was thinking, I really wish I had taken the two lambs instead of the one. I had, you know, wanted to take the two, what we call the Easter lambs, the, the lambs we bought last at the end of last April. I'm not intending necessarily to breed them. And the children talked me out of it and said, well, let's just try one because their theory was if we didn't like the meat, then we could sell this other one alive instead. And now I'm kind of wishing like, I kind of wish I had taken both of them. One, because I think that we can sell some of the lamb, but also just because I would rather not have a lamb in this flock that I'm not going to breed. Mm-hmm. Breeding. So let's talk about breeding. What is let's the plan? Let's talk about breeding. I am hunting for a ram. I need a ready-to-go hot action, get out there and get those Barbados black belly girls pregnant between now and the end of April. I need a ram. Damn it. So you've been looking or you need to start looking? No, I've been looking. I've been looking. I'm having a harder time finding one. Um, So I'm going to call actually some breeders in South Carolina this week to try to figure out if anybody has one either for rent or for sale. I'd prefer for sale so I could keep it for a couple of seasons. But, you know, at this point, I just need, I need one because otherwise then it's October, November by the time we're lambing again and the weather could be dicey then, but then you're got to feed them hay like through the winter time. And so it's another mouth to feed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why do you think you're having a hard time finding? Um, it's not, it's not a very common breed. Um, most people who raise hair sheep, we've talked about this before, raise Katahdin's or St. Croix, which are two other fast growing hair shape varieties. And they are very specifically for meat. Barbados black bellies are a little bit leaner and they're generally not raised as much for meat as, as much as they are for continuing the breed. I have to decide, do I want to go with Katahdin's or the St. Croix? Katahdin's are really easy to find and just go with meat. Or do I want to continue to raise this breed that I find absolutely beautiful to look at? Don't think I'm up for three different flocks of sheep, which is what I would have if I had one that was pretty, one for meat and one for Jerry. I need to make that decision and I need to decide if I'm going to make an economics decision or um, a joy decision. Mm-hmm. The babies that you you had 
the first set of babies from the Barbados black belly sheep, some of those are mixed breed, right? The ones that were mixed, we took the ones that were mixed. We had some, we had four half Katahdin, half Barbados black bellies. Those four went to the auction. Ah, yeah. Okay. So we sold those four. The other Barbados black bellies, I have four of the babies and the rest of them we sold to somebody else who wants to raise that breed. Did you ever find out what you made on the four sheep that you dropped off at the auction? Yes. Yeah, we did. It wasn't great. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. We got $110 for each one of the four lambs. And we had one you that we took at Nora, who we took at that point, and she was 190. Okay. So not terrible, but not, you know, I was happy to have to not have to feed them, to be honest. Um, what new animals are in your future? I don't think there's anything in the immediate future, right? Except for maybe some chickens, but are you still considering getting pigs? And can I you am. hear my dog barking? I can hear your dog a little bit. I am still considering, well, there are a couple of things. We will do chickens again, but probably not until the fall. Grow them out, butcher them probably in November, December when it's cooler. We learned our lesson not wanting to do them in the dead of winter, nor butcher in August. So the two lessons from last year. I would like to do two pigs, potentially three pigs, mostly because I can I can sell the meat before we even buy the pig, which will then contribute to just knowing they're sold and I can raise them and we'll have the whole thing paid for. So I'm thinking more about that. And then with Kishka getting butchered in July, it's time to buy another meat cow because meat cows take a year and a half to two years to grow out. So if I want beef again in a couple of years, now is the time to buy a calf. Would you buy a full-size cow or another mini? I'm um, I'm not sure. I mean, if I were going to buy another mini, it would have to be what Kishka is, which is a low line. So it's basically an Angus with short legs. An Angus is a black cow that most people see when they see like large beef herds. The jet black ones are Angus cows. They are bred for making your hamburgers. So she's that, but just on short little squat legs. Easier to handle, certainly. I mean, not Kishka, but Another one would be easier to handle. I would not go with like a mini mini. Mm -hmm. There's another breed called Dexter, which is a, a meat cow that is basically halfway between Kishka and a full size cow. And they they are easier to handle, relatively easier to find and make fantastic meat. So I have to start doing some research on what I can get locally. Mm -hmm. Speaking of chickens. You had some eggs that were beginning to hatch. Yes. I don't remember if they were pipping when we spoke last. Probably not because it was a couple of weeks ago. So mm. update us. We had two adorable little chicks who pipped, which means they broke through their shells, right? Pipping. They were born in the incubator, little black and white ones, which means they're, you know, coming from the blue eggs. They would have laid blue eggs. And we put them under the heating lamp and got them food and water. And, and we had one uh, born one day and then one the next day. And I've since put a bunch more in the incubator. So I'm hopeful in a couple of weeks we'll have some more. 
And they just were delightful little chirpers all day, all night. And then about two days after that, I woke up in the morning and it was very quiet, very quiet in the house. It took me a minute to realize there was no little peeping going on, no chirping going on. So I went over to their little box where they were and the lid had been taken off the box, knocked off the box. Okay. So they're not in there. They're not in there. And I'm looking around going, okay, I should find a carcass somewhere, right? I should find, and I cannot find little chick carcasses, no blood, no anything until I find Pepper, who is our five month old kitten, maybe five months old, maybe four months old, a little four month old kitten laying on the couch with some little feathers around his face. Oh, Pepper. Pultricide. It was Pultricide in the house. You know what it was? It was nature. It was. I couldn't be mad at him. I mean, it was my fault for not really securing the lid and and trusting that he was not going to get on the third shelf of bookcase and steal these itty bitty little things. So it's my fault. Not his. I cannot be mad at him. Yeah. Ultracide. He had breakfast. He had breakfast. Have you had any other chicks hatch? No, not yet. Not yet. Um, so I'm thinking there are a few of them that are in the incubator that are probably just not viable. Mm-hmm. And then I put in a few more. But we have a broody hen for the first time, which I'm really excited about. We have one of our hens who lays the one of the ones that lays the blue eggs who has decided that she needs to stay on them. So she's been there for a week on, on her and she's all spread out all big and fat, you know, trying to make sure that she has all the eggs and she probably has six or eight under there at this point. When chickens go broody, they sit on their eggs for 21 days. They don't eat during that time. Really? Period. Yes. They stop eating and they only leave the, the eggs for a few minutes a day to get some water. I had no idea. Yeah, they stop eating. So I put some, I got some mealworms and I put mealworms next to her in her own little water dish. So I'm hoping that maybe in another couple of weeks, she'll, she'll hatch out some babies. I realized that I skipped over the end of your story and that it was kind of cold of me not to acknowledge the fact that your cute little fluffers got chomped on by the no. cat. Cause it's a, it's a little bit funny. It's a little yeah. bit funny. <laughs> um, but this is my brain. This is what my brain does. When I know, I know. Constantly. I even had to suppress one a little bit earlier. I don't even remember what it was, but you know, in this conversation, that's only been 20 minutes so far, I have already suppressed one other song and I did sing too. So it's a little bit funny, but it's also sad. And I do acknowledge that. It's It's a lot funny. And I think unless for some people, it's going to be morbid and horrific. A, um, and either you don't own a cat, um, who occasionally brings you things or you've never had animals, right? I have livestock because it's uh, really unfortunate. And at the same time, it just leads you to then figure out what do I have to do to solve this so it doesn't happen again. So, you know, I immediately went into problem solving mode and now I have a different process. So it's okay. I don't have a cat. I think they're fine. I like them. 
I also think that baby chicks are really cute. And I've experienced some awful things on the farm. Yes. Yes, you know. So I get it. You know, it's unfortunately that's just the way it is. He would have done the same thing if he had been outside and had access exactly. to little chicks. Yeah, I, I promise I'm not heartless. I know. I know. And I, I don't think it's even about being heartless. I think, well, there's an element of being not coddling, I guess, because livestock are not pets. I mean, we, would, we would have eaten those birds eventually. It's just the pepper got to them first. You know, I'm kind of bummed that I missed a dinner, but pepper didn't. So that's okay. <laughs> Assuming they would have made it that far, too. There's they would have made it that long. Other things. Like, yeah. I don't know if, speaking of birds, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but my computer is in front of a window and this is my work desk. And there's this big, beautiful tree right outside the window. And I love sitting here because I see so many interesting birds. I saw a bluebird earlier today. It was so pretty with a, like a orange chest. Mm -hmm. I see little squirrels sometimes running up and down the tree, which I personally think are cute. I've seen woodpeckers. It's kind of cool. I like it. It's much more interesting than the window I look out at my office that looks into another building. And I know all about the habits of the people who occupy those offices. See, that's no fun for me. So I think I told you that I had a neighborhood young man helping me with some yard work. Yes. So today was his first day on the job. Oh, nice. And I put him on bamboo removal. So just let him rush right in on the good stuff. I don't know if he knew exactly what he was getting into. Because <laughs> it's not a huge patch anymore. I've been whittling away at it over the last, you know, couple of seasons. And every once in a while, Joe gets the inspiration to go do some bamboo removal. And usually gets halfway through it and stops. But he has me to blame for that because... Yeah, he gets that from me. Um, anyway, so he got here at about 1030, 10.30 and he was going to stay, I think, for a few hours. And he got sucked in and realized that it was more of an ordeal than he expected because, you know, once you cut it down, then you've got to trim off the branches, yep. cut it, bundle it up, put it in the bags or in the yard trim bin and it's like a whole lot of work. Or in my case, you throw it over the fence and you give it to the sheep. They eat everything off of it except for the poles themselves. And then every couple of weeks, you just gather up the poles and throw them in the burn pile. And do they pop, pop. like crazy? Pop like crazy. It's it's yeah, a little yeah. dangerous, but yeah. 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 Because yeah. I've tried to burn some that was dry and it's like an explosion. And plenty of people would keep them and, you know, make arts and crafts out of them and make fences and all of those other wonderful things. But given how much bamboo I have had to deal with on this property, I never want to see it again. And I'm sure you don't want to either. I do use some of it for things, but yeah, I have way more than I ever could use. Yeah. So I hope he comes back. This is his first team. <laughs> he never wants to come back again. But I do have a whole list of stuff for him to do after he finishes with the bamboo. Which is great. We'll start with the most taxing first, because the other stuff I think is going to be much easier, much yeah. more fun. 
anyway, um, I had, speaking of death on the farm, I had a far less significant mortality in my greenhouse. Oh, what died? I was doing some experimenting and I have, of course, way more tomatoes than I, I don't know. I have way more. And I started them too early. I know it's like the cardinal rule of seed starting, but I mean, I couldn't help it. And what's the worst thing that happens? Like they They don't make it or they're like, you know, it's not, it's not the worst thing in the world. It doesn't feel great. But so I have a lot of this particular type of tomato that I started and I figured I would put a few in the greenhouse just to see if it was still too cold to move stuff out there. And guess what? It is. This morning when I went out there, it was very cold last night. I think it might've gone down to 20. They looked okay yesterday when I checked on them, like they were maybe starting to, the leaves were turning a little bit color of a color. That's not good. And then this morning I went in there and they're just like droopy, boneless, nope. lifeless nope. things. Awesome. Compost. Yeah. So I did an experiment and it failed. I am slowly moving things out, things that are more hardy. I'm moving out in there. I am moved a seed tray that had some lettuces that were like two or three inches tall and some seeds see what what sprouts okay. up because i'm running out of room downstairs in my grow yeah. area i up potted some things this week they were getting a little big so i'm very excited about that that they survived long enough to grow big enough that i could up pot and then what is up potting wendy oh up we we need to do our glossary up-potting. oh i'm working on it i am okay good yeah. Up potting is when the seedling basically has outgrown its little little hole thing, its little dish. Um, and you need to put it into a larger container. So having learned from Melissa, I had a bunch of like red solo cups from the Dollar General that I had bought for some sporting thing sometime. And I had a bunch left over. So I just drilled holes in the bottle, bottom of them drilled I stuck screwdrivers in the bottom of the cups and then filled it up with the potting mix that I have and then put the little seedlings into those new spaces so they have more room to to get roots and more room to grow so I did that yesterday for a bunch of things and I'm if I have enough energy I will probably do some more but I'm running out of room as well and this week this until Wednesday of this week and today's Monday until a Wednesday, we are having some really unseasonably cold weather. So mm-hmm. I am not comfortable taking stuff outside at this point. My peas have been going in the green stock. So they're they're fine. I did something really cool with leftover wood after we had a windstorm uh-huh. for my peas. A friend of mine sent me um, a photo of a t- like a teepee made out of logs. And it had okay. string going around it and peas were growing up the side of it, but it was big enough that there was a little girl sitting in the middle of it. It was really cute. Wow. And mine is not nearly that big. It's about waist high, but I found four or five big pieces of wood branches that had broken. And I made a little teepee shape and I got some like jute uh-huh. twine and I made little 
netting out of it, twisted it, and I'm going to plant this afternoon. I'm going to plant my peas in there, and I'm really excited. I might do another one. I discovered a very dangerous store over the weekend. (laughs) So I may or may not have spent several hundred dollars on gardening items. I don't think this is a may not. I I think you absolutely (laughs) did it. Yeah. Because if I hadn't done it, why would I say that even? So there's this place in New Jersey. I think it's just an East Coast thing called Job Lot, which is a very funny name. It's hard to even tell what I'm saying, but it's J-O-B-L-O-T, Job Lot. It's sort of like Big Lots or, I don't know, a store that has lots of inexpensive stuff. And some of it is brand name and it's just marked down really steeply good prices. So not my favorite kind of shopping to do because there's a high level of guilt when I go to places like that, that I do not need to be participating in the consumption culture of like cheapo throwaway things. But I did it for the sake of love and familial relationships. And That's and. a good excuse, but it's actually yeah. because I wanted to also. Yeah. Let's, yes. Let's, let's call bullshit on that one. It's wonderful to spend time with family, even while shopping for mm-hmm. things you might not otherwise have. And nobody made you spend that much money and fill an entire cart full of garden things. It's true. There were so many tempting things I got, um, like a tented cover for a raised bed. Okay. I got a lot of seeds. They had um, carrot seed tape, which I really like. So seed tape is like, I think we've talked about this, but it's um, almost feels like toilet paper and it has seeds already in it spaced a good distance apart. So for things that have small seeds where you're just going to spray them everywhere and then you have to go thin them out, it's really easy. You just lay this tape down, it disintegrates and then boom, you get carrots. So I bought a bunch of those. They had a lot of seeds. So I got some seeds. I got some planters, like long um, rectangular ones. I got, oh, yeah, I got some grow lights. I got two really nice four-foot grow lights because I had some that were old and one broke and they weren't very strong and I needed to replace them. They were like $23 each. It was a really good price and they had the right level of Kelvins and lumens and all those kinds of things that you need to make sure you have enough strength in your light to help your plants grow. I don't know. I got a whole bunch of other, oh, I got two blueberry bushes, two different kinds of blueberry bushes. And coincidentally, I had just seen a video on how to pick a blueberry bush from the store. Which varieties of blueberries did you get? There are two different ones. One was a Jersey because I was in New Jersey. Appropriate. They're known for their blueberries. The other one was called, I don't know, something like Blue Sky or I don't remember. I got but, blueberry bushes last week too, but mine were from the 4-H. Yeah, so I got three, they're called Ever Evermores, I think. They're just supposed to be locally high producers. What I'm going to do, and it may be something for you to consider as well, I would never tell you what to do. Just kidding. I'm really good at that. Um, I am going to plant mine in pots Mm -hmm. so that I can figure out where the best place is to put them. So for 
maybe for the season, I'll keep them in pots. I have one in the, it's one of the few things that survived the winter in my greenhouse because there were things that really, it was still too cold for them to be in the greenhouse. I should have brought them inside. But my blueberry bush is in a pot and I put it in the greenhouse and it's starting to bud and flower. I'm really excited. It's very pretty. It has, I think it's a couple of years old. I don't remember when I bought it and it's never done this well. So it's looking really, really good. And I'm thinking I'm going to do the same for the other two. So I got those. I got some bulbs, some dahlias. Well, actually, those are tubers. I got dahlia tubers. And then I got bulbs of, I don't remember, some other flowers. I got tools. I got a brand new pair of loppers, which I was very excited to give to my employee. A nice fresh pair of Fiskars loppers and a couple of smaller clipper things. I got lots of stuff. Sure did. Mm -hmm. I even got some little snack things because why not? I feel like I'm forgetting something. I got some trellises. Is there any room left really in the van to drive home? That's a very good question. Fortunately, we were only there for two nights, so we... Had plenty of room in the back, yes. And Chris didn't come home with us because he had to be in New York today. So he stayed and he's taking the train home. So that also freed up some space. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was nice though. I'm inspired to do a little bit more. And But it's cold. It is cold. It is cold. It's unseasonably cold for right now. It was in the the 70s over the weekend for us. So I just need to wait out a couple more weeks before I can get some things in the ground. I was reading over the weekend about more companion planting because I really want to use vertical space in some of the garden beds. And I don't, I don't like it when the garden beds are only full of one thing. Yeah. Um, So I was reading about beans and peas, planting them vertically around on a trellis or a cage in the midst of onions because the onions and garlic will keep some of the beetles away that traditionally go after beans and peas. So hopefully in another week or so, when I can get my beans and peas outside, I'm going to put them in with my garlic because the garlic and the onion won't be ready to harvest until probably the beginning of May. So they've been in there six months. Need to wait mm-hmm. a little longer on those, but yes, I want to do more verticals. My potatoes have arrived, so I can get my Russian red fingerlings in soon. Um, The next set of onions and garlic won't go in until the summertime, so I can harvest them in the winter because they take about six, seven months. And then I've laid out all of my current raised beds in the new garden space. I'm building a few more out of some scrap that we have. I've been going through the barn, pulling out pieces of wood and some random pieces of metal and things that I have found that make some additional garden beds. And for the first time ever, I planted asparagus. Yeah. And and I got to tell you, it's been freaking me out. It's been freaking me out to plant asparagus. Do you have asparagophobia? Asparagus. That's really funny. No, I love asparagus. What I have, as we all know, is a fear of commitment. And asparagus takes three years to really give you a decent harvest. So you are freaking out about the commitment of having asparagus. Okay. Do you realize that you've planted trees also? 
yes, I did. And I never like that's that's about hope, right? Trees planting trees is about hope. I will never see them come to their full life. So I don't have the same attachment to them. Other things are all seasonal. Most of the animals are seasonal. I don't envision making like a lifelong commitment. I have just made a commitment to something that I will not see for three years. What about a pet? I can take them with me. Can't take asparagus with me. I realize that this is really about the symbolism here. Yes. Yes. It It means that I'm making a commitment. It's more than just the freaking asparagus. Yeah, because I'm and this is like I'm really staying here. Is that all it takes is just a couple of yep. crowns of asparagus? Like what there would happen if you decided to leave and the asparagus was not yet ready? I would have to start asparagus over somewhere else. And that seems like a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. I'm teasing you, but that is um, it's <laughs> interesting because I know from an earlier conversation that you it kept you up at night. It did. I was I was anxious last night for quite a while and I couldn't figure out what the problem was. And turns out the problem is a commitment to asparagus. Yes. I would suggest that you never get into a relationship with asparagus if it's going to make you this anxious. I know. Who knows? Maybe in a couple of years, the asparagus will change my mind and I will be happy that I planted it three years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I say just forget about it. Well, I have to now. It's not going to do anything. Yeah. Forget about it. Move on. Focus on, you know, radishes or something that grows really fast. Yeah. Yeah. It's in two. I've got two eight foot long by two feet long beds that are all asparagus dedicated to asparagus for the next mm. couple of years. So they it looks beautiful. It's mulched. It's all set. It was watered. It's all good to go. And then around it, we will add the things that have life and use much more quickly. Well, congratulations on the planting of the asparagus and the realization of the symbolism of the asparagus. Yes, it was a good day. Permanence. Asparagus is a symbol of permanence to you, you know? Yes, like, it is. Yeah. I think like you I'm need, all like, in. I'm all yeah. in. I planted asparagus. You need like an asparagus tattoo to remind you of permanence, <laughs> the permanence of things. <laughs> I think that would be probably, I can't imagine that there are many people with asparagus tattoos. I could be wrong, but I don't think I've ever seen one. I don't think I've ever seen one either, but I would bet some chefs have one. And now, of course, I'm going to have to get one. That's so funny. I'm going to have to get a little asparagus. So... I think it's fairly well known that you and I are both professionals in the nonprofit world. Yes. With a couple of decades of experience under our belts in management and each. And so I realized that my world was colliding. My two worlds were colliding because I wanted to ask you some questions that felt to me like a check-in. I've been doing a lot of thinking about onboarding and orientation. And so, Wendy, I would like to check in with you. Um, I think this is probably the six-month check-in of this season. We started in September. Yes, it's six months. So it's sort of like the fall, fall winter season. <gasps> Today's the first day of spring. Yes, it is. 
How appropriate. Yes, it's the equinox. It's March 20th. Okay, so I have a couple of questions that I would like you to ponder, please. Am I am I um, going to get a raise if I answer the right way? No, because our reviews are not tied to merit increases. That's a shame. Okay, yeah. you'll have well, a cost of living increase. That's it. <laughs> I'm living it right now. The cost of living increase. What is your favorite thing to do on the farm? And you may reflect on the last year and a half, actually. Um, preserve food. Really? That's your favorite farm chore. It's my favorite thing to do, but it's, um, I would say it's my favorite, favorite thing, of course, is to just to spend time with the animals. Because you did the preserving of the food before you even got to the farm. What's your favorite farm chore? Feeding the animals. Okay. What do you love about it? Uh, It's an opportunity to observe them, to see, you know, how everyone's doing. I, I get to go out and talk to them. Often I will feed them and then just go sit down in their pens, in their areas, and just watch and observe and be tangentially part of their flock, tribe, group, whatever, for a little bit. It's okay. peaceful. It's very yeah. peaceful. I picture you sitting in the middle of your field with your sheep, because I've seen you do it, and I'm yep. glad that it hasn't resulted in crying for a while that I know of, because you used no, to go out there and cry out of frustration. Yeah, I would. I would go out there and cry out of frustration and about feeling like I didn't know what I was doing and that I was failing them. And now I I problem solve sometimes when I see something happening. Honestly, I can't remember the last time I sat out there and cried. Hmm. What is your least favorite farm chore? Gardening. I like pulling my heart. I know. I, I like pulling weeds. There's a sense of accomplishment in pulling weeds. I don't like thinning and tilling and fertilizing and all the things that have to go into producing like one freaking tomato. Mm-hmm. It does feel good when it's time to harvest stuff, though, doesn't it? Yes, I like harvesting. That I enjoy. I just don't like the process. Like You come here and you can sit out there for six hours and be happy as a clam. I get very frustrated. It's when I... Um, what's the word flow? I last night when we came home from our road trip, I went downstairs because I had to check on my seedlings, of course. And I ended up down there for several hours. And it's like time doesn't even go by. The kids were calling me, what's for dinner? What are we doing for dinner? And this is funny. This is a funny story. So Eli convinced me to get Chipotle. So that was fine. I didn't really feel like making anything. So we ordered Chipotle and we ordered online and the app is on Chris's phone. So usually when we order, he does the ordering. We just tell him what we want. So I downloaded the app and it, I must've had the app at another point because it saves your orders in it. And when I went to check out, it was like $90 and I couldn't figure out why it was so expensive for just the three of us. So Eli went back in and it had included order previous orders in there. So he's like, okay, I'll take care of it. And he went and deleted the old orders. So the food came, they ate. I wasn't hungry yet because I was downstairs doing stuff and I came up later and I look in the fridge and I don't see my food and I'm looking all over. There's a bag of chips sitting out and some queso, but there's no bowl. And I'm like, Eli, did you order me food? And he got really upset and he realized that he deleted my order. Oh, I didn't, I didn't have my Chipotle. I'm sorry. Yeah. 
it was kind of funny. Anyway, um, what are you the best at doing? Making lists. I'm the best at it. The best in the whole world at making lists. Are you good at doing the things on the list? Very. I am really good at the planning elements. So tracking things like who was dewormed last? How is somebody's Fermatra score? Um, when's the grass seed need to go down so that we can rotate the pastures? Where are we going to put the different groupings as we rotate? Who has to go in first? When does the cow go in after the sheep, after, before the chickens? I'm really good at the the landscape planning, meaning not the actual landscape, but the holistic approach of planning. Again, high level. Let's let's talk tachlis here. That's like the the meat, the work, the meat. The work. What about what am I best the, at? Getting out there and vaccinating yeah. lambs or am, butchering chickens. Absolutely the animal husbandry. I will trim hooves, vaccinate, deworm, trim fleeces, you know, check for snotty noses. I do that. I do the doctoring. Deliver babies. Deliver babies. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I saw a video of a chicken laying an egg this week. Yes. They do that every day. And they squat at it. Yeah, it was funny. This is not an intellectual exercise. So think about something physical, farm-related here. What are you the worst at doing? What could you what could you improve? Let's put it that way. Oh, cleaning out stalls, picking mm-hmm. up poop. Yeah, I'm not I'm not so good at that. Because you don't like it? I just don't like it. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I'm not good at that I frequently make the children do, and that is haul bags of feed and 50 pound bales of hay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will buy them. I will drive my truck down to the barn, but I will make the children stack feed and stack hay. Well, I have seen them recently in pictures and videos and not yeah. too long ago in person. And I think that they are very capable of doing those things and built for it. You know, when you're when your newly 13 year old puts three bags of 50 pound bags of feed on his shoulders and walks down a hill and puts them in the barn, I don't feel so guilty about making them do it. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding. I'm raising farm boys. Yeah. Yeah. Nice job. That's all I've got. Good for them. I did something in the kitchen this week that I wanted to, to share with you. What you been doing in the kitchen, Wendy? Several things, several things, because it's an excellent time for foraging. Ooh. So foraging is when, you know, you make stuff out of found stuff. And we have just been inundated, blessed with um, a huge number of gorgeous wild violets. Mm. And, you know, that are not sprayed, that aren't in a garden bed, that were like pre-designed. They just pop up all over. So I've been doing some research on what to do with them. And so this week, I am making some violet vinegar. Ooh. I am so excited because it's going to be for like salad dressings and stuff in the summertime. And violets, of course, are edible. So I'm thinking like I have in my head some goat cheese, some arugula, some wild violets on top of the salad, 
maybe, you know, shaved Parmesan or nuts in there, depending on what I want to do. And then some of this beautiful purple vinegar based vinaigrette. And my sister reminded me that my grand, my maternal grandmother's maiden name is Philia, which in the Czech language, it means violet. So we're going to make basically a maple version of a vinaigrette once this is all done with some some honey, some fresh herbs from the garden and this beautifully purple vinegar. I saw a video last year uh, and I wanted to try this, but all of the violets that I see are on people's lawns and I'm scared to eat them. They, it's, you make um, a tea. No, what do you do? You, you, make a sugar water with it, like an okay. infused simple syrup. And then you pour lemon juice in it to make lemonade okay. and it turns pink. So it's purple and then, or maybe it's green. I can't remember, but because of the acid, it changes color. It's like a little magic potion, a little magic trick that kids find very entertaining. I will have to look for that recipe. Look it up. I can't remember, but when you boil the simple syrup with the violets, it's blue or purple. And then when you add the acid, it turns a different color. Cool. A fun little trick. I will definitely look at that. The other thing that I've got, I'm researching, you know, while I'm supposed to be resting, I lay down and I can research things. We have a bunch of purple, purple dead nettles in the lawn. Oh yeah. I've been reading about those lately too. Yeah. Want to do some stuff with them, whether it's a tea or drying them or whatever, because they're got a bunch and I know they won't be here for a terribly long period. So I want to do something. Those are neat too, because their stems are square. Yes. So they look like little umbrella, like multi-leveled umbrellas almost with purple on the top. Like somebody sprayed purple spray paint on it. And then the stalks are square. And I think that means it's a relative of the parsley family or mint, mint the mint family, because mint also has a square stem. But when you roll it between your fingers, you can feel it's really yeah. cool. Yeah, it's really. And, and they're beautiful. I mean, they're beautiful looking little flowers. So I want to do something with them. Must go foraging when I can have enough energy to go back outside again. And when you see mushrooms, just take pictures of them. I don't touch the mushrooms. Yeah. They leave them be. They can, the chickens can have the mushrooms. I don't need them. All right. What else is happening? Anything? I think those are the big things right now. We just need to get better so I can go out and do yeah. more stuff. Well, it's very exciting that it is officially spring today. And while that still leaves my last frost date about three weeks away, three and a half weeks away, it's exciting. April 16th-ish, and that's Joe's birthday. And really the kind of, um, I don't know, not old wives tale, but like the... The farmer's almanac version? Yeah, or just like the, the common sense recommendation around here is the first weekend in May, which is also the sheep and wool festival. Yes. Come, you should come. No. Cause I have, um, I have sheep shearing on May 1st. Oh, that's right. Right, 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 right. I'm going to try to come at the end of April. 
Okay. Well, please feel better and stop doing many things. Oh, but there are many things to be done. But I'm going to try. Do I'm, the I'm, do the things that require you to sit on your tuchus on the couch yes. and scroll around on the interwebs. Do that. I will do the I will do the researching of things, which I can do well prone. I will yes. lay down. Yeah. If you need someone to nudge you and tell you to take it easy and to stop doing things, I'm I available. <laughs> You're available, yes. When I need someone to tell me to stop doing the things, I call my sister. And I'm also used to not being listened to. So if you <laughs> don't listen and I have to repeat myself, then it's just another day in my life. <laughs> Thank you very much, Melissa. You are welcome, feel better, and I will talk to you very soon. Happy spring. Happy spring. Yay. Bye.